return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Uh, Long title, but what do you do when you don't see the answer? (laughs) What do you do when you don't see the answer? This is really, uh, uh, it's, it's a good word here. You know, you pray, you believe, but you don't see results. Yeah. Pray, believe, you don't receive results. Might fast, don't see results. Might do something else, but don't see the results. You know, all kinds of spiritual exercises, so to speak, but don't see the results. Yeah. We pray for people all the time. Our, our premise here is always, if someone is alive, we go to the hospital, we're praying for your healing. So when, when Dave Spolum, of course, was sick and... Then when unconscious, we continued to speak life to him, calling him by name, believing for uh, recovery. Uh, it didn't happen that way, so a week ago we had a celebration here of his life, which was really a tremendous night, actually, you know, of, of people sharing and testifying and so forth. Well, we've all had things like that, you know, when we started the ministry. We went nine years renting, didn't have a... Didn't have a building and so forth. And believing for a building, a facility, what do you do? Our daughter was sick for 12 years, so uh, times critically ill, sometimes at death's door. And uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now, a lot of people assume that they pray, they might fast, and so it doesn't happen, so therefore they assume it's God's will. Yeah. All right? Because, because they prayed. Well, it didn't happen. Say someone, someone was sick and died, and so they assume it's God's will then. I remember meeting with a pastor in town here years ago from another church, just an evangelical church, but he said uh, they had a lady in the church who participated, so involved and so forth, and she got sick, they prayed, she died. She said, you can't tell me that wasn't God's will. And I said, well, matter of fact, I am going to tell you it's not God's will. Jesus loves people. Now, if people die, they go to heaven, of course, like that. But, but, the, but the point is, is that we're believing for healings, amen? And what Jesus did, he went about healing all who were sick. He touched people. And so we have to pattern our lives. In other words, you, you don't want to allow your circumstances to change the Word of God. And that happens all the time in Christianity. They allow their circumstances to change what, what should be rock solid, change the Word of God, rather than having the Word of God change their circumstances. Two completely different things. Right. So, so it doesn't get down to how long you've been a Christian, how good of a Christian you are, how much you fast, how much you pray, what you do. It doesn't matter. Does, that doesn't come down to that. What it comes down to is knowing, well, what does the Bible say? And then standing on the Word of God. For how long? As long as it takes. Hebrews says some people die in faith, right? So they're still believing, even, even when they die and they go on to the reward, they're still believing. I think we all should die in faith, actually. I think we should never get to a point in our life where, okay, I'm no longer going to pray for anything or believe for anything. No, we should die in faith. We're still praying and believing God to touch people's lives and things like that. 
So, so we can't allow circumstances to adjust where, where we think in the Word of God. God is always good, and that's just period. The devil's bad. Of course, most people don't talk about that, but we do have an adversary. The devil's bad. God is good. And, and the switch is always on that he's good. It doesn't change. It's not going to be any different tomorrow. And if we go through a crisis, and we've been through many different crises, but God doesn't change. So we might be in a situation that's tough or in trouble, but he's always good. And so our eyes are always on him. So now it gets back again. How long? Or what do you do when you don't see the answer? What do you do when you don't see the answer? Now, let me give you, let me give you one. Hebrews 11.3, 3, of course, says the world's refrained by the word of God. So we have the word of God. Jesus was the word made flesh. By him, all things were, were created. So if the worlds were framed, our world, this world, things around us were framed by the word of God. So you want to frame your world with God's word. Amen. Amen. You want to, you want to uh, put out there on a daily basis just the word of God into your world. The word of God into your marriage. The word of God into your children or grandchildren or your job. You know, most people, it's a big club. A lot of people don't like their jobs. So big club out there. But if you put the word of God into your job, it might change. How you think about your job or how you see people on your job. If you put the word of God into that situation, then all of a sudden now you're driving to work confessing things, believing things, and all of a sudden you see it different. The world's, your world, your world, this world around us, of course, but your job world or your family world, all these worlds can be framed by the word of God. The things that we see, we're not made of things, we're, we're not made of things which are visible. So we're speaking life. Things that you can't see in the natural, but are in the supernatural, you're speaking, and I'm talking about speaking the Word of God, okay? Speaking life, you're speaking the Word which is creative power, and it begins to create an atmosphere in your life. So rather than being down, you're up. Rather than being discouraged, you're encouraged. David again and again would encourage himself, basically pull himself up. And, and trust the Lord. Amen. So these are things that, that are important that we understand. What do we do when we don't see the answer? Well, we're framing our world. Framing our world with God's word. Now, here's, here's an interesting verse, two verses, but first verse is Genesis 16, 16. It's the last verse in this chapter. And it says, when Abram was 86 years old, Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. And so he had a promise, actually, when he was 75, about being the father of many nations, had no children, no children, and at his wife's encouragement, has an affair, has another child that's not his, that's not Sarah's, and so now we have Ishmael born, all right? So, and Abraham, you know, kind of realizes, and even Sarah, like, oh, my bad, shouldn't have done that, but nevertheless, this child is born, all right? Amen? So now, let's go to the very next chapter, the first verse. We have one verse difference here. So when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I'm the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So the interesting thing is, between 16.16 and 17.1, Abraham didn't see anything happen, and there was a span of 13 years. Now, we know Abraham is the father of faith, right? So, so he, he was the father of faith, believing God, you know, and all these things. Spent 13 years. 13 years. 
Nothing happening. Nothing happening. 13 years. So think about this. What was Abraham doing? Well, I'd call it normal living. Abraham was a businessman. Abraham had a big company. He had a big, so to speak, the corporation of the day. He was the Bill Gates of his day. So Abraham was a businessman. Abraham was living a godly lifestyle. He was worshiping God. Abraham was loving his wife, Sarah. All right? But his life would look, if you looked in the natural, you'd think, this is the father of faith. And you'd think, looks kind of mundane. Mundane means no excitement. You know, no, whoo, Holy Ghost goosebumps. No, none of that. He's just living his life in a very normal way. Could be tedious, could be dull, could be boring, could be repetitive. He gets up in the morning, gets a cup of coffee, kisses his wife. He goes out in the field. He has, he has servants. He's organizing all the things that he's doing. He's doing accounting, doing bookkeeping, finances, doing all kinds of things. Comes home at night. They go to bed. They have dinner, whatever. And the next day is the next day. Thirteen years. There's nothing in the meantime. Wasn't God, God spoke to him every week and appeared to him every week and stimulated his faith. Nothing. Thirteen years. Eighty-six, ninety-nine. Now, most Christians that I know, they stand in faith and so forth. And in two weeks, they're kind of ventilated. You know, they're tired. We put it out there. You can take some people that, uh, boy, we're going to stand, we're going to fast, we're going to do other. You can take the Reese Howells, and Reese Howells, people talk about prayer, prayer, prayer. He burned out in 13 months, folks, and had a mental breakdown. Yeah, he did. Ministry didn't last two years. Toast. He's over. A lot of people affected. True. But his life, his life was toast. So you have to maintain something in that time. A distant runner isn't sprinting 100 yards and then sprinting them more. No, he's, you run the race that's set before you, Hebrews says, right? Yeah. And when I see people run distant, and Pastor Rand has been a distance runner, but when I observe it, I see people running steady. They're running steady for that distance. Now, a runner kind of knows where his end part, part is, but we in faith don't. We don't know, hey, i got to last two more months. Sometimes better we don't know. Someone said to me, you got to wait nine years. Someone says 12 years. Someone, we'd be like, oh, boy. Looks insurmountable if, if you knew how long you were going to wait. So Abraham, in one verse, and people don't think about this. Father of faith. Bless God, we're going to believe it. Father of faith. 13 years. Zip. Nothing. Nada. No signs. No wonders. No miracles. <laughs> Just living the life. Now, we like to have a few goosebumps. I understand that. I think they're great when it happens. But there's a power, there's a tremendous power in a godly routine. You should write it down. A tremendous power in a godly routine. Routine. Routine is a sequence of actions regularly followed. Abraham was a tremendous businessman. He was wealthy. You don't become that way by wasting. You don't become that way by doing dumb things. You become that way by being a good steward. 
by being structured and so forth. There's a lot of people in the charismatic Pentecostal community that's they're flying by the seat of their pants, and God only knows where they're at six months later. You know, they go jump from one high to another high. Or Jeannie and I sometimes have spoken or been to conferences, and you still see the same ones trying to get a, a little high. But for the most part, not productive. Their life is a mess. They're struggling. You know, all kinds of things happening. And you see no stability. Now, let me just say something. 13 years. What what do you see in Abraham? You see stability. Stability isn't going to pack out conference halls. Talking about routine isn't going to pack out places. But let me just tell you something. There's power in a godly routine. We are here today because of godly routines. Routines. Things we do every day. Things we do without hardly even thinking. Things that we do in worship and praise and reading and studying and calling out the Lord. Not even thinking about it. Just a godly routine. So routine is usually a series of things that you do at a particular time during the day. Morning routine. Afternoon routine. It's the practice of regularly doing things in an order. Good to have an order. Let me just say this. God is a God of order. I've met so many people, they just resist order. It's just the, it's the spirit, Pastor. We get the spirit. It's like they resist order, and I'm thinking, you are serving a God of order. Everything he does is order. Look at the universe, it's order. Feeding the 5,000 took order. So, so the Holy Spirit is order. All right? Routine is synonymous with average, common, or commonplace. <laughs> What's the purpose of a routine? Well, the routine creates structure. A routine will create good mental health. If you've got a good routine, it'll create good mental health. People, people sometimes struggle with their mental health. Have a routine. What do you got to do? Well, write it down. Let's have a routine. Let's do something. You know what? Amen. Isn't that right? I mean, it's, not, it's pretty tough to have a routine. If one night I'm going to go to bed at 10, the next time, uh, 2, the next time, uh, I'll go to bed here. There. Tough to have a routine. Eating, have a routine for health, right? Yeah. When do you eat? What do you eat? Have a routine. So routine, the structure, will create mental health, physical health, emotional health, and spiritual health. Having a routine, having a plan, right? And the absence of routine is going to, Cause just what? It's going to cause stress and disorder and chaos and everything else. So let's keep this in mind now. Thirteen years, Abraham, the man of faith, the father of faith, as we would say, and he's purely living a life of routine. Purely living this life of structure. So how do you start a routine? Well, you decide to. Doesn't take a word from God. You decide, you know, I'm going to I'm going to start having some routines. I'm going to start doing things different. Or doing things the same way. Whatever, you know. More Bible study. More worship. More prayer. But it's something you want to do. You have to set some time and plan to do it. If you don't plan to do it, it won't happen because the devil's smarter than you. All right? So you have to be smarter than the devil and you have to be standing in the place of God to do the things that God does. Set small goals, not huge goals. You know, we, we walked into this facility. We walked into this facility by taking steps of faith. They were small goals. 
So when I when I thought of hundreds of thousands of dollars, I thought, could have just well said the moon. It's impossible, you know, and we had nothing and so forth. But then when, when the Lord asked me, what could I believe for? And I thought, I can really stretch my faith here to believe for $10,000. And that was a big step of faith. But that's what we said. And that's what we put publicly out to say, we're going to believe in two months for $10,000. And we did that. And we accomplished that. And we rejoiced in that. And then while I was sitting at home, you know, still just pondering so so forth, I uh, the Lord asked me to get up out of my chair, and he said, walk across the room, which I did. I walked across the room, walked from one side, turned around, walked back to the other side, and sat down. And the Lord says, well, what did you do? And I said, well, I took steps. And when you walk, you take equal steps. And he says, you walk in the Spirit... And you walk by faith. So the Lord says, just take another step. What was another step? Just raise another $10,000. Raise another $10,000. Raise another $10,000. Of course, these were in the days we lived through the recession part in the early 80s. Pioneered the church when the economy was terrible. But the good part was the CD rates were good at the bank. And we kept making money on our money. And all we did was always think about 10,000 and took step, step, step. And the Lord says, you will walk your way to a facility if you do it my way. You know something? I've never had another minister take me up on this. Don't want to be patient. Don't want to do it. Don't care about it. Not one other minister has ever, and I've shared with dozens about this, not another minister has ever done it before. Never even tried it. But it works. Set small goals, not big goals. Your small goals will lead to big goals. Your small things always lead to bigger things. If you're walking and you're, if you've ever been out walking and you're walking and so forth and you turn around like, boy, where have we come? How far are we? Oh, look at how far we're back to the house. Maybe you walk two miles. And then you think, I gotta walk back. <laughs> Unless you call somebody or, but if you're on a walking trail, can't do that, right? But you've not been paying attention, just walking, step, 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 and now you realize, got to go back, all right? Small goals, lay out a plan, all right? Lay out a plan. Got to lay out a plan. If you don't, if you don't have a plan, you never know if you hit anything. Be consistent with your time. You've got to organize your time. When I came to college at SDSU, I was a scholarship athlete, and they brought me over to the biology department to a professor... And, and uh, he didn't even talk to me about biology. Greeted me, so forth, where was I from, what was my plan, so forth, to, to, for a degree. And he gave me the sheet of paper. You know what the sheet of paper is about? It's about time management. And he kind of, you know, he's a professor, PhD, and he kind of, here you go. You do this, you'll succeed. Well, he was spot on. I've told students for years, if you don't go to class, you'll never... Never going to learn, never going to do anything. Got to, hello, class, organize your time. And that's the way it is in life. Everybody has 24 hours. We've got a thing in the bulletin this, this coming Sunday called the time bank. Everybody has the same amount of time every day. And you find somebody, oh, I don't have any time. No, you have time. It's just how you structure your time. It's what you do with your time. 
I think Abraham was a man, he was in business, he had a family, his wife and so forth, he was a, so a family guy and this and that, I think he structured his time. Wasn't frittering around at things. 13 years now, okay? Still has this promise, this one promise, you shall be the father of many nations. He has no child other than Ishmael. But what is he doing? He's persevering. Now he's 99. Think about the day before, before whatever, the day before the angel appeared. What is he doing? Same routine. In fact, at one point, the, there's another situation with Abraham, but the Lord said, I know this guy. I know how he structures his life. Right. He's a good man. Be prepared. Make it fun. Have fun with it. Amen. Track your progress. Yes, amen. You know, if you don't aim at a target, how do you ever know if you hit it? You, ever, th- you ever see a circles on a target and then there's a middle of a bullseye? Well, what do you do? Well, don't aim for the big bale, Right? <laughs> You start aiming for the circles. And the goal is to hit the little circle, right? So you keep, you keep going at it. You know, I remember in phys ed, I don't even know why they ever did this. I grew up in Iowa, but we took bow and arrows one time. Man, arrows were flying around, and I don't know if they ever found them in the field. Some of them dug in, you know, they burrow in the grass. and We didn't hit many targets. We didn't hit many bales. <laughs> but the goal was to hit at least one of those circles... And what would it tell you? It would tell you, like, uh, you're a rotten arrow, you know. Well, what do they call a guy shooting arrows? So, Archer, there you go. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't last too long shooting arrows. So, so the goal is to hit the target, right? So you can assess right away. Not, not doing it. And then what would you do? You would adjust, right? You would adjust the bow and, and what you're doing, aim a little higher, whatever, your strength, you would adjust it so that you could hit the mark. Right. Life is full of adjustments. I'm adjusting all the time. Sometimes weekly, you know, when you have crisis going on and you're maybe at the hospital 10 hours of the day or you're doing something else, you just adjust and you make adjustments. Not going to last forever, but you know, you just do things that way. That's what you do with, with routines. You adjust. When you have little kids, they don't stay little forever. You know, it's when they're little, you, you adjust. You, get, you never can, can't always predict a day what the kids are going to do. But you still have a plan, and then you adjust accordingly. Isn't that right? Yeah. So you track your progress. You do things that uh, keep building, like Abraham, keep building into your routine. Now, yeah. I think a window into this is Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 gives us a little snapshot into Abraham's life. And he says, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So I think a window into Abraham's routine is that he's calling on the promises of God on a regular basis. Now, sometimes, sometimes when a crisis happens, you know, you can tell some people the crisis happens. Okay, well, now, now I'll confess the word. I'll confess the word. Folks, this, is a, this has got to be a habit. You know what I mean? It's not like we turn the switch on. Okay, woo, now I'll confess the word. Well, you should confess the word all the time. Amen. If I walk into an emergency room or an intensive care room or whatever, most of the time I'm not surprised by the things I see, and I'm not saying things that I don't say all the time. 
I'm confessing the word over myself, over you as a church or so forth. Confessing the word. So all of a sudden, it's not like the Lord saying, "Uh, who are you now? I haven't talked to you in about three months. But a lot of people treat God like the 911 number. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Let's call people to pray. Well, that's just not good. So, it's a window into his life. He's calling those things which do not exist as though they did. He was, he didn't have a, he didn't still have his own child by his own wife. He wasn't in the natural, the father of many nations. All right? He was just part of this plan that God was working. All right? So, verse 18 then. Verse 18 says, contrary to hope, he pressed against hopelessness. And we're going to, all the times you face hopeless situations where someone may say there's no hope or whatever. He pressed against hope. Contrary to hope, he believed and hope believed. So he became the father of many nations. I remember when we were in Kansas City at the University of Kansas Medical Center. And this doctor, two doctors, they called us in this room, which normally isn't good. And you sit down and they say, well, and they'd ran all these tests on our daughter. And they said, your daughter, and this was the leading, the nation's leading doctor in this disease. And she said to us, she says, your daughter's not good. I see lots of cases, your daughter's the worst that I've seen. And we're sitting down, we're talking to her. And then she explained that she could die at any time. She explained that. I said, can you do anything for her? And she says, we don't have any treatment. It's a rare disease. We don't know what to do. So she explained this, and then she said, do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you understand what I'm saying? And I said, yeah, I think so. And then, and then she looked at the other doctor, and she says, I don't think you understand. And she went through the whole thing again, whole speech again, because they expected us to fall apart. They expected us to freak out. They finished it the second time, and they said, do you understand what we're saying? I said, I think we do. And then I said, but there's something you don't understand. And she said, well, what's that? And I said, our faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. And I said, I appreciate all that you're doing, but he is the great physician, and we're going to trust him. And she kind of looked at us in disbelief. And, and she said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, we're going to leave. Well, you can't leave. Your daughter should be in the hospital. I said, but can you do anything? She says, we can't. I said, then we're leaving. Carried her daughter up, went back to the car, put her in the car. We went to a church service and worshiped the Lord and believed God for a miracle. Now, you know, many years later, my brother, who was in medicine, and he spent the last kind of half of his career down in Kansas. And he went to a medical seminar in Kansas City. And now this lady, Dr. Carol Lindsley, who's now long retired or so forth. But anyway, this was, this was like 25 years later. And he goes to a seminar at University of Kansas Medical Center, and she's one of the heads of the school, medical school. And he recognizes her name from talks that we've had. And so after this, this seminar or whatever, he goes up and he introduces himself, and he says my name, who his name was, and then he says, my brother brought his daughter to you back in the mid-'80s. And he said, her name was Angela. This doctor said, oh, I remember Angela. I remember, because it was just a profound case. I remember Angela. And she said, she died. Doug said, no, no, she's alive. (laughs) She graduated, got her PharmD degree and so forth. 
And the doctor is amazed. She's astounded, like, oh. she lived. Yes, she lived. She lived. She recovered. Horrible days in the natural, but routine will get you through horrible days. Routine will get you through horrible days. It's not how many people are patting you on the back. You know, people can get you up a little, we're all praying for you. But folks, when things go long term, that goes out the window. People get tired. People get tired of praying. People get tired of asking. People get tired of believing. They get tired of fasting real quick. It comes down to routine. He stood against hopelessness. Abraham, this is a window into these 13 years. Verse 19. Verse 19 says that being not weak in faith. So he stood in faith. Now, stood in faith means against what? Well, they're getting older. You ever looked at yourself in the mirror lately? You know, you're not getting younger. All right? Abraham's, you know, they would have something to look into, and it's like, we're getting older. I'm getting, Abraham's now in his 90s and so forth, but he's still persevering with routine, still believing the promise. I just, I'm a real believer in believing promises till the day I die. People say, well, he didn't see it happen. Nobody died in faith, and someone else might see it happen. Someone else might see it take place. We believe for revival all the time. I may not see it with my natural eyes, but someone else will see it. Seeds planted grow. So he stood in faith. He didn't consider his own body. Notice what it says, already dead. <laughs> so, so, he's a little old. And he sure didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. You know, that was another situation as well. He didn't focus on the natural. You cannot stand, if you do that, you stand when you focus on the supernatural. Power of routine, folks. Anybody watching me, you can do this. You can do this. You can walk in the Spirit. You can walk with Jesus. You can overcome. But you have to take it one day at a time. You can't say, how long? When's this going to end? No, just one day at a time. Have your godly routine in Christ. Go to church? Yes. Be in fellowship? Yes. Worship? Yes. Pray? Yes. Fast? Yes. But it's a routine, not a sprint. Verse 20. So, he says he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, this part here, giving glory to God, he was worshiping. Now, worship will keep you up, but you worship with the promises, right? You worship with, in other words, you want to sing songs that are scripturally right, not songs that, you know, that are going to drag you through the mud and so forth. But you want to sing songs that are scripturally right, and worship will keep you up. Worship with the promises. This is the, best, the Bible is the best hymn book you can find. Yeah. And you can find a scripture. Boy, that's a good scripture. Read it and just say, now sing it. Yeah. You don't have to sing it to others. Just sing it to yourself. Sing it in your room. Sing it. Sing the word of God. See what comes out. Amen. So a lot of worship songs today that started that way. Verse 21 then says that being fully convinced, so he became persuaded. He focused on the power of God's word to be manifested. Fully convinced, which helped him to what? Not give up. Got 13 years. Nothing happened. He'd already made a mistake after, you know, after 12, all right? So now he's, now he's here and convinced, I'm not doing that again, right? So he became fully persuaded that what God is able to promise, that what God has promised, he was able to perform. So you're just standing on the promise of God that he's going to manifest it. So now, let's go to the next verses there, just a second. 
Therefore, it's accounted to Abraham for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was accounted, but for us also. Why was it written? It was written for us, who are reading this today, who are believing today and so forth, believing in Jesus Christ, that he raised him from the dead and so forth. It's written for us that we can stand in our time in a godly routine while we're believing. I don't see anything happen. It doesn't faze me. I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to stand on his promises. I'm going to continue as we are. That's why we're still doing the things that we're doing. After decades and just being consistent. I look when it first started, I looked a lot younger, a lot more hair. Now I have white hair and what's left, all right? So things change, but the heart and the life with Jesus and the promises don't change. They never change. Amen? So here's here's the important things. Ephesians 6. Got to get going here. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Says, when you put on the whole armor of God that you may, notice the word stand. Now, you stand against the wiles of the tricks of the devil, because the devil will say it's not going to happen. The devil's going to say that promise isn't for you. The devil's going to say it's not God's will. It is God's will to bless you. It is God's will to heal. Amen? Amen? Yeah. That's all he wants us to do is believe it. If we die, we go to heaven. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, that's what we're going to believe, right? So you stand against the tricks of the devil, Right? right? The context, then, of verse 12 is in this context, verse 12. So it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. The context of the full armor of God in this verse talks about just individual, individual standing in the victory. This isn't a context of spiritual war. We're praying against all the spiritual war that's out there in the world. and this has nothing to do with that. It's everything to do with you standing in faith, believing God for his promises in your life. That's the context of it. So, so books can be written on this, you know, we're tearing down principalities, we're going to tear down a principality over the city, and so forth. It's like, that's not the context. And Jesus never tore down the principality of any city, <laughs> or of Rome, or any government. So the context, the context is all dealing with the full armor of God and this personal relationship of Christ and standing in this victory when it looks like nothing else is happening, but you're going to stand in faith against the wiles and tricks of the devil to see something happen. Amen? Verse 13. Verse 13 then says, Wherefore you take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The evil day is a day of trouble. This is a personal thing, all right? This isn't corporate. This is your life or my life that we are standing in that day where we might face trouble. Whatever that means, right? It's an evil day means it's contrary to the word of God. It's contrary to truth. It's contrary to good. It's bad. So we're standing in that. Notice it's not a lifetime. It's a day, <laughs> right? So you, you, you persevere to come through things in victory. So we're standing in trouble in that evil day and so forth to come in victory. Amen? Standing against the forces that come against you or I. Everybody is in this battle, but we can be in the battle in victory. Abraham was in a battle, 13 years, but in the battle in victory. What we see in Romans 4. So verse 14 then says that stand therefore, 
having your waist girt about with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we're standing, and of course, first and foremost, you've got to stand on the truth of God's word. So the Bible should just be this companion, so to speak. It's the word. It's the only book you can read having the author present. It's the book where you're reading, and the teacher comes and says, ah, this is what I mean here. Uh, this is what I want to show you. <laughs> I sit out every day, it's like, I have my Bible reading schedule because it's a routine. So I've read the Bible cover to cover many, 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 many times through the decades. So I have a routine, but then also I'm sitting there like, boy, there's something else there. What is, the, what is that you want to show me? Yeah. Take some notes, write down some things that are for me. Or maybe for our family, all right? Not for you, but for me. And so, so it helps us then to stand in this routine in the middle of everything else to stand in victory. Doing good. Hallelujah. So final scripture. We've got to close here. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So here's the point then. He's, it says, blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. I like this. He's a Father of mercies. He's a God who gives all comfort. Now, he comforts us in our trouble. Our tribulation is trouble. He comforts us when I present myself to him, like through different circumstances, like I've just talked about here, but presenting myself, and he comforts me like, Dave, I'm bigger than that. Dave, I'm, I'm working by my spirit. Dave, I'm with you. I mean, on top of bleeding for a daughter, we were, in, we were in a medical bankruptcy situation and all these things like that. Didn't have any money. So, so we had the enemy biting on all sides. But he's a God of all comfort. He'll comfort us. Now, let me just say something. A little prayer chain ain't going to comfort you. Telling 50 people ain't going to comfort you. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God is the one who comforts you. You're going to have people slap you on the back, but I'll tell you what, they're not there at one in the morning when you can't sleep and the devil's lying saying, your daughter's going to die. She's not going to live. Or you have to get up in the night and you have to turn her. And just, yeah, your daughter's not going to live. It's two more war weeks and she's going to be dead. Our daughter had the heart of an aged person and had congestive heart failure written into her records when she was just a little girl. Her heart was twice the size of normal. Her heart, you could see her heart beat through her shirt. We came home from Kansas City. A week later, we had to be in Sioux Falls. They ran more tests. Of course, they get all the things. Everybody's concerned. The doctors would always come in. How are the Kaufmans today? He said, we're doing good. And he said, that's what I thought you'd say. He said, the tests are bad. You know, the different times. Well, they ran this heart test. They came back in. They knew what KU had said. They ran this other test. They said, her heart's normal. Went back to normal size in just a couple weeks. Twice the size, normal size. Only God does that. Amen. Only God. Wasn't through the woods yet, but that was a good start. That was good. He comforts us in all our tribulation, all our trouble, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. The purpose is, as you walk in faith and through the years for all of us, as you see God work for you, you encourage others, right? Encourage others to stand. Encourage others to walk in victory. Encourage others in their marriages or encourage others with... If they're sick or their finances. So we comfort others who are in any trouble. Trouble's just in the world, right? It's just, it's just in the world. That's part of the world, trouble. 
Sometimes people face trouble. We had people say, you must have some sin in your life because uh, you're in trouble. It's like, wow. Sad. You know, coming from Christians, you know, who are negative and con- condemning and so forth like that. We've learned how to comfort people. Not that way. Comfort those so we can comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. We take it and we give it away. And I believe when we persevere, we've got a lot of life left, right? So we want to see more and more happen for the glory of God. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the power of a godly routine. And we thank you that even when it looks like nothing's happening, you're still there and you're still working. And I thank you for encouraging people in this place tonight, but also people that are watching online, be it live or maybe later. But I thank you for encouraging their lives. That, Lord, you are for them and not against them. That you hear their prayers and you're working supernaturally. But I pray that people would not give up. I pray, Lord, that they would not give up. They dig in their heels and that they would choose to have a godly routine in their lives. And just to stand day by day, week by week, if necessary, year by year, in faith. And Lord, we thank you for manifestations that you're bringing to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Share it with somebody online. Share it with somebody else. Amen. Encourage somebody else in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.